daf tesamut aleph and bet, value in beauty behidur mitzvah ad shlish. We know that there's such a thing as mahadrin, to be mahadr, to, to go the extra mile. Usually the word is associated with matters of kashrut, but it doesn't only apply in kashrut. We're introduced to the concept of mahadrin in the Gomorrah in Hilchot Chanukah, that the, uh, the way we observe the lighting of Chanukah is, is mahadrin. It's more than the minimum requirements of halakha. And hidur comes, means a glorification, and we glorify it by doing more than the halakha requires of us. But that's, there are two ways of looking at that. So in, in the laws of Hanukkah, the halakha only requires that uh, in each house there's, there's one candle every night, or each person in each house lights one candle every night. That's already hidur and mahadrin, minah mahadrin, to do, really to go to the, the ultimate end with, with Hanukkah is that each person lights it. One candle on the first night, two on the second, three on the third, and so on, as we do it. So there are two ways to look at what that hidur means. Does it mean we are being more meticulous? We're keeping the halakha more meticulously? We're doing more than the minimum requirement? Is it a quantitative, technical idea? Or is it that the candles look so beautiful? We're creating beauty in the home. We're, we're creating hidur in the sense of the visual impact of of the Neiros Hanukkah. Those are two different ways of looking at the Gemara and Shabbos, where the Gemara talks about Hidur, and we'll see that playing out in our sugya. You remember that back on the Zion, we had the Kasha that our buyer asked Rova. It says in the Torah, Metav Sadeu, Metav Kamo Yishalem, if you pay somebody you've damaged, you've got to pay from the best of your property. And it says, Kesev Yashiv Lebalav, you can give the person money, and the Gemara learns, Afilu Subin, even, it doesn't even have to be money, it can be any form of movable property, you can give him an object, and even if the object is of very poor quality, such as oat bran, you can give him a bag of oat bran to pay. How can that be that on the one hand you've got to pay with Metav, on the other hand you can pay with Subim? So the Gemara answered, you'll remember, that um, answered that it depends on Midato or Baal Kocha, and we had that beautiful shir when we learned with the Rashi, the idea of putting somebody through the indignity of going to court and so on. That was the one way we answered Abaya's question of Rava. But the question was already dealt with by Rav Huna. It's interesting. After that, now in Daftes, the Gemara brings Rav Huna's answer to the same question. But the question was asked by Abaya Verova. Rav Huna is Abaya's Rebbe's Rebbe. Abaya's Rebbe is Rabba, and Rabba's Rebbe is Rav Huna. So Abaya and Rava are discussing a question which was already discussed in the, in the Beis HaMedish of Rav Huna. Rami le Abaya le Rava. What did we have in Dav Zayin? Abaya asked Rava this amazing kasha. Yeah, your Rebbe's Rebbe already dealt with that kasha. But it show, you get a sense from there also how each generation needs to learn it anew. We've talked about that before. You don't just go on what I've said before. You get your approach from your Abayim. But each time you've got to ask the questions anew. If you look at something and it doesn't make sense to you, you've got to stop and you've got to work it out. You can't just say, yes, Rav Huna asked the question. This is the answer Rav Huna gave. No, Abay and Rav deal with it as if they've just discovered this question for the first time. And you'll find that very often. The Achronim will deal with a question that the Rishonim have already dealt with and they'll deal with it as, as if it's the first time. That's how one has to learn with that excitement, that childish curiosity and excitement of, of discovering things. It doesn't matter that, that it, it was obvious to somebody in an earlier generation. So to Rav Huna, this was obvious. He didn't ask the questions. He just said, okay, so for Metav, you've got a choice. You can pay with money or anything that's worth, that, that has monetary value, or you can pay with Metav. If you're going to use property, you use the best property. The Gemara then goes on further. You'll see why I bring this 
this background. The Gemara then goes on at the bottom of Zai of Tesamodalif. Omar Rabbi Zaira Omar Ravuna. Rabbi Zaira said in the name of his Rabbi Ravuna, the mitzvah ad shlish. You've got to spend up to a third on a mitzvah. Ask the Gemara, what does that mean? You've got to take your total assets and spend up to a third on a mitzvah. That means you're not going to manage more than three mitzvahs. By that time, you will have just about used all of your assets. doesn't make any sense. So Rabbi Zeira, explaining what his Rebbe meant, says, That if you can do a mitzvah for a certain amount of money, and for hidur, for going the extra mile, you can pay a bit extra, up to a third extra you've got to pay. And the Gemara discusses that plus a third, or is it a total a third? But it's basically a third more, which is a number that actually coincides with the research that's done in in business, that a good salesman can can relatively easily persuade somebody to spend up to a third more on perceived added quality, added value. So if a person's decided he's going to spend $1,000 on something, if you can show him something that has clear, better quality to it, he'll stretch, he'll push up to a third. Beyond that, he has to be wealthy enough that it doesn't make a difference to him. The price is not important. But if the price is important, he'll go up to, up to a third more. And, and in mitzvahs, it's the same thing. You, the Torah expects us for, to, to invest up to a third of the basic mitzvah in a better quality mitzvah. Now we've got to look and see what is a better quality mitzvah? What, is it, what does it look like? What does better quality mean? So the Gemara says, Amri Rabbi in the Eretz Israel, they used to say in the name of Rabbi Zeira, Ad Shlish Mishalah, what it means is up to a third you pay for. But if you want to pay even more than a third, the Rabbi Shalom will pay for that. What does that mean, says Rashi? There are three different ways of understanding this Gemara. Rashi, Tosfus, and Rabbi Nechanan. Rashi says, what does it mean, Behidu Mitzvah? Hidu means she motse bet sifrei Torah liknot. Listen to this Rashi carefully. If you find two sifrei Torah to, to acquire, you can, you can buy either one. Ve'echad hadu mechavero. And one is more mehuder than the other. What does mehuder mean? They're certainly both kosher, neither of the sifrei Torah are opsulim. So what's the difference between them? The difference between them is in Hidu. The writing is more beautiful. The lines are more even. The columns are more even. It's written beautifully. You pay a third more, up to a third more, to take the more beautiful Sefer Torah. Look at the wording of this b'risa carefully. That in the, in the Shira, when it says, this is my God, that means, it doesn't say, make the mitzvot more beautiful. It says, make yourself more beautiful in the mitzvot that you do. It's about the subject. This is going to be very important in Rashi's understanding. Make a beautiful Sefer Torah. But is that focusing on the Torah? Yes, but it's Sefer Torah. You invest of yourself into a more beautiful Sefer Torah. That's what's important, is what you're investing, what you're putting of yourself into the Hidu. Lulav noe, talis noe, tzitzis noe, all these mitzvahs, find beautiful ones and be willing to invest more. Mikan ve'elech, what does it mean more than a third? Hashem pays, mashi yosif behidu yotel, ashlish yiparalo ha'kodesh baruch hu b'chayav. That if you pay more than a third, Hashem will pay you back. But that means, so then why does the Torah say, why does the Gemara say you should only go up to a shlish, says Rav Huna? Only up to a third. If Hashem's going to pay you back, go as far as you want. But it's interesting that, it, that Rashi says Hashem will pay you back in Olam Hazeh. What about Olam Habo? So that's interesting according to Rashi. If you are spending up to a third extra 
on beauty, that's considered investing in the mitzvah. So you get your schar like any other mitzvah, not only in Olam Hazeb, you get your schar in Olam Haba, the main, the main schar mitzvah is Baha'i Al-Maleka. You don't even get your, your schar in this world, you get your schar in Olam Haba. So certainly, let, let us say, the minimum you get a, a safer Torah, you get a, or, or a lulav, and it costs you $100, so that's you spending a, on a mitzvah, you, you, you make mitzvah's lulav during sukkahs, you get schar in Olam Haba for that, you get paid for that. What happens if you go up to $130 and you spend an extra $30? That's also, you get schar for that extra $30 also in Olam Haba. Because you've been mekayim the mitzvah of hitna'el fanav. But you have invested of yourself in an even more beautiful lulav. But what happens if you go beyond that? Says Rashi, then you get, that what Ravuna means is then you get paid in Olam Hazeh. That's an Olam Hazeh mitzvah. That the Torah doesn't require you to do it. You've already made yourself beautiful by investing more than a third. You're not making yourself still more beautiful by, invest, by doubling, by spending twice the amount on, on them. It's not doing anything for you. You've, done, you've already improved yourself by investing more, by going beyond. The fact now that you've got a more beautiful mitzvah, a more beautiful lulav, that's, that's aesthetics, that's beauty. That's an olam hazeh thing. So it's interesting that in aesthetics, because according to Rashi, this is all about aesthetics. Sefer Torah Na'eh, Lulav Na'eh. This is not about kashrus. This is about aesthetics. Hidur, Mahadrin, according to Rashi, is about beauty. To invest in the beauty of a mitzvah, you're improving yourself. You're making yourself more aesthetically sensitive to matters of Kedushah by investing. But you do that with investing a third. You don't have to go on and on. It doesn't make you better and better. Once you've, in, you've stretched yourself just for the beauty, the, the cashews you've got with $100, the extra $30 is only on beauty. So now you've, you've invested in that. You've done that part of the mitzvah. You've done the qualitative part of the mitzvah. Now if you want to go and spend another $100, $200 to get a gold-plated lulav, okay, that's a, that's a physical thing you're doing. That's now about ostentation. So, but it's ostentation in a mitzvah, so you'll get paid in Olam Hazer for that. If you're ostentatious with your mitzvot, you get paid in, in cash, because it's all about a, a material thing. But that first third that you invest in a mitzvah, that's not ostentation. A third is modest. You're not taking a lulav. Everybody else has got an ordinary lulav, and you've got a, lulav, a gold-plated lulav, or you put it in a, an esrog box, uh, a golden esrog box that costs thousands and thousands of dollars. That's about ostentation. That, and the Rebbeinu pays. You're putting the ostentation rather into the esrog than into your car. So that's a mitzvah. If you put your ostentation, you buy a Ferrari instead of a Toyota. You get no, there's no schar mitzvah for that. That's your own business. There's no schar. But if you buy a Ferrari esrog box instead of an ordinary one, you get schar, but you get schar in cash. You get repaid for it. That's all. You just get compensated for it. But no elam haba for it. But that first third, which isn't ostentatious, nobody notices the, the third. The difference between a Sefer Torah that costs uh, 20000 and one that costs 30000 nobody's going to notice the difference unless they look very carefully and they understand. The difference between a lulav that costs 100 and a lulav that costs 130 nobody's going to notice the difference. So why are you doing it for plenius reasons? You're doing it for inner reasons. If you're doing it for inner reasons, there's Olam Haba. Let's look at Tosfus. Tosfus says, mm-hmm. If you found an esrog, that is the bare minimum requirements of halacha. 
And you can find one that's a little bigger. Tosfos says Hidur is about halachic issues. It's technical. It's quantitative. How big is your esrog? It's not how beautiful is your esrog. It's about going, being concerned about the halacha. That I'm, I don't, no, you don't keep the halacha to its minimum. You go beyond that. That's how Tosfos understands Hidur. So there's a machlokas. You must remember this. There's a machlokas between Rashi and Tosfos in what mahadrin means. According to Rashi, mahadrin means investing in the beauty and quality of what you're doing in matters of mitzvot, but not to the point of ostentation. Just to invest in a way where you know that you've made it more beautiful, but nobody else has to know. Tosva says, Mahadrin means being more meticulous in the, hal- in the halacha. And therefore Tosva says, what does so it mean if you go beyond? You spend more than a third? It doesn't mean that, that you get paid in Olam Hazeh. He disagrees with Rashi. No, this is still a mitzvah, because this is still internal. It's not in ostentatious. Nobody knows that you're being mahadir in the mitzvot. It, this is not about gold-plated. This is about a, an esrog that is, was grown by a Talmud Chochem and picked by a Talmud Chochem, and there are all sorts of elements of it, and it's all the different chumras in Hilchus esrog are covered in this esrog. Anybody who watches that, they're not going to know the difference, but this is an investment in halacha. An investment in halacha, you paid both in Olam Hazeh and in Olam Habo. It's not, a, it's not only here. So whereas Rashi says... Up to a third is a pnimius dika, an internal investment, and you paid in Olam Haba. Beyond a third is ostentation, and you compensated in Olam Hazeh. Tosva says, no, however far you go, it's not ostentation. It's an investment in Alachai, and you paid in Olam Hazeh and, and in Olam Haba. Rabbi Hananel has a different view, which is so original and beautiful. If you're working for your money, then you sh- you're not expected to invest more than a third. You're not expected to work harder, to stay at work longer, to take more risk in your business for the, for the extra. Up to a shlish, yes. If you say to yourself, you know what, if I work an extra hour a day for the month of Elul, I'll have enough money in Tishrei to buy a Mahuda Mahuda Lula, an Esrik. That's fine. You can do that. How Mahuda? Up to a third. But if you say, if I work really hard in the month of Elul, so hard that I, I, don't, I don't say slichas during slichas, I don't learn any extra musa because I'm working hard so that I can buy a most wonderful lulav, and, so that, 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 that's ostentation. So according to Rabbeinu Hananel, the ostentation is measured by a combination of the amount, a third, and your ability to pay for that third without investing more effort in your work. But if you won a lottery, or your shares went up and you've got a whole lot of money, not from, not from effort, you can spend as much as you want on it. So according to Rashi, this is about investing yourself quietly in an inner way in the beauty of a mitzvah. And according to Tosfus, this is about investing in the halachic quality of a mitzvah. And according to Rabbeinu Hananel, it doesn't matter which of it it is, either Rashi or Tosfus, but how much you can spend depends on how much you can afford. If you, if you can afford only a third with extra work, then you do the extra work. But if you can afford to go beyond that without extra work, you're just very wealthy, then that's fine. Then that's, that's something that you have to do. The Shulchan Aruch brings both days, both Rashi and Tosfus, and says, If you bought an esrog that you just about can be yotzer, and then you found a better one, you should pay up to, an, up to a third extra. 
ויש מי שאומר בתז אנדר אופיניון שאם מוצא שני אתרוגים לקנות והאחד הדור מחברו ייקח האדור אם אין מייקרים אותו יותר משליש מלגב בדמי חברו. You haven't bought one yet, two are sitting in front of you and one is more beautiful than the other, this is a matter of beauty, then you choose the more beautiful one if the more beautiful one is not going to cost you more than a third, that's Shittas Rashi. And the Vilna Gaon says, both on the Hagos and our Gemara and in, in the Shulchan Aruch, that we paskin like the second view. We paskin like Rashi, that Hidur is about aesthetics. Hidur is about beauty. And you invest up to a third in the beauty. Beyond that is ostentation, and that's a physical, a physical investment. You're investing in, in physical appearances. You're investing in image. If you're investing in image, the Rebbe Nishlam, you're investing in image around, it means that the Rebbe Nishlam will compensate, he will repay you. But there's no big schari in Olam Haba for that. But up to a third, you're investing yourself in doing something better in a way that you know it's better. And the Rebbeinu Shalom knows it's better, but nobody else necessarily knows that it's better. And that's the mitzvah of Hidu. The Rambam goes, goes very far with this at the end of Hilchus Yisuri Mizbeach and says, Arutzele zakot atzmo yechuf yitzro hara v'yarchiv yado v'yavi korbano min hayafeh ha-meshubach b'yoter b'oto amin sh'yavi mimenu. Somebody who wants to develop themselves and refine themselves should stretch themselves and, and exercise their yetzer to bring of the finest, most beautiful korbanot that he can of this particular species that the korban needs. Arinema b'tere v'hevel hevi g'mibchere. So it brings the difference between Cain and Hevel. They both brought a korban, but Hevel was Mahadir. And from there we see that idea of, of Hidu. And the same applies with anything you're doing, Lashem Shamayim. That you should bring something from the best you have. If you're building a basic Knesset, it should be nicer than your own home. That's when Colin Goldstein did the renovation of this base of Medrash in which we're learning. He told me that's the reason that he does it. He lives in a beautiful home, and it bothers him that when he goes to shul, it's a, it's a mess. It's a rundown mess. It doesn't look nice. It's not beautiful. It's disgusting. And he feels bad every time he comes home. He walks into his house, and it's beautiful. He comes to shul. It's a mess. Dirty coffee cups all over the place. Papers on the floor. Place needs painting. The place needs repairs. Nothing. Nobody cares. It's only a basic. It's only a basicness. But my house. That must be. She could see him, and everything must be done beautifully. So it's based on this Rambam that he did it. That you, the the shul has to be the base of medrash. The shul has to be more beautiful than the homes that you live in. And it applies as well. If you're giving tzedakah, don't give him your waste stuff that you don't need, your second-hand goods that you don't need. If you're giving a poor person, this applies now that we're all helping poor people. Give them of the best you've got. Be mahader. Give them something amazing. You're giving clothes to the displaced people from, from the south or from families that need it. Give them beautiful clothes. Invest a little bit. Make them feel good. Don't just give them something. So you've got nothing, so I'm sure you'll appreciate this. I, I've been wearing it for 10 years, and I'm ready to throw it out. Instead of throwing out, you can have it. That's not, that's not Hidu. And we talk about Mahadrin. How much will go to be Mahadrin? Is the meat Mahadrin? Are you sure the meat's Mahadrin? Otherwise, I don't know that I can eat with you. And what about the tzedakah? And what about the chesed? And what about the shul you daven in? Is that mahadrin? So why the meat? Meat has to be mahadrin. Meat. What I eat. Everything else doesn't matter. Says the Rambam, that's not the idea of Hidu. 
And clearly the Rambam's learning like Rashi, this is about beauty. This is about the quality of what you're doing. And how much? Okay, you don't have to spend more than a shlish, but after a shlish you do. The outstanding question is, what has this got to do with our sugya? Why is this stuck into the middle of Meitav and not Meitav? Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Orbach has a beautiful comment in, in passing. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman died in the 1990s. He's a, a, a godel of our times. He was the Shishiv of Kultura. I was a Talmud of his. So he's, a, he's of, our, of our generation. I knew him well and had the opportunity when I was a rov in South Africa to discuss many interesting shilas with him. And he taught me not just, he didn't just give me answers. He taught me some of the art of psak, how to look at a shaila, how to answer a shaila, how to deal with a shaila for a, for a community. He taught me a fortune. So it's exciting when I find something of Shlomo Zalman Orbach, and he says, what are we talking about paying by metav or paying with a bag of, of oat bran? There's the halachic side, there's the minimum you can get away with, and you're paying damages. Now this links in with our whole thesis through the whole of Bovekama, that we've got the polarity in Bovekama. There's a ben odem l'chavera and there's a ben odem l'wakum. There's a legal right and there's a, and there's a religious and ethical obligation. The legal right is to give him the value of what you damaged him. You damaged him $100. You give him a bag of oat, of oat bran, that's fine. That's a value of $100. You fulfilled your requirements in law. But there's also a mitzvah. There's also, we, we also talked about that ethical obligation. We also talked about the issue of damaging somebody. You're doing tshuva for having damaged somebody. Do that with Hidur. Don't give him a bag of oat bran. Give him metav. So since we're seeing, and it just fits in so beautifully to the way we've learning, been learning every daf of Bovakama so far, every sugi we've learned with that same angle. And Shlomo Zalman's piece fits in so beautifully with that, that in Nezikin as well, we're talking not only about the minimum legal requirements, but we're talking about an element of hidur, how to be mahadrin in the, the payment of damages, not only in the meat. And not only even in the shuls you build and in the tzedakah you give, but even when you've damaged somebody and you're repaying them, even there there's a concept of doing it in a way that is elevated, that is dignified, that is beautiful, and not just trying to fulfill the minimum requirements. Mm -hmm.